Good morning, church. As many of you know, I've been working part-time this whole last year, and the time has finally come for me to retire. It's a bittersweet experience. I'm looking forward to retirement, but I will miss seeing all of you and working here on a full-time this last year, part-time basis. And I wanted to go out uh, in, a, in a normal way, I guess, with a worship service where we could say goodbye and hug each other, and uh, it would be normal, but it's not. We are in a very unnormal time, and so it's going to have to be online that I say goodbye and preach my final sermon as a paid staff member of the Bentonville Church of Christ. But I do want to leave on a positive note, and that word positive is important, I think, to all of us, especially during this pandemic. Uh, to me, it's kind of a strange term in the way that we use it when we refer to the positivity rate. When Dr. Smith in the, in the daily briefings from the governor talks about the positivity rate in Arkansas, I know he's not talking about a good thing. He's talking about the people who have been tested for the COVID-19 virus who have tested positive, meaning that they have the virus. And so I wanna challenge you this morning as we talk about some things that are going on, current events, and some Bible truths that will help us look at them in a different way to look at that term positive in a couple of different ways. Not as the positivity rate says with medical tests, negative or bad, but I wanna challenge us, how are we doing during this pandemic and this time of civil unrest? Now, while not all of us have been tested for the virus, all of us have certainly been tested by the virus. It tests us not just physically, but also mentally and emotionally and financially. The disease has changed how we relate to each other. It has changed how we spend our time and our energy. It's limited where we go and how we go and how we uh, see other people. It's caused us to feel isolated and uncertain and even anxious. So are we positive or are we negative? And if all that weren't enough, during these unprecedented times, a white police officer in Minneapolis kneels on the neck of George Floyd for eight minutes, causing him to die, sparking justified protest all across our country, exploding even more after the recent shooting of Rashad Brooks in Atlanta. Most protesters are peacefully calling for racial that calling attention to racial injustice and calling for police reform. But a lot of the protests have descended into violence and, and looting and, and even arson. So how are we handling that? Are we being positive or negative? We know anxiety and depression have risen sharply. People trying to ease their pain and fears have slid into addiction. Domestic violence and even child abuse have all been on the rise. In April, texts to the federal government's mental health hotline were up 1,000% over the previous year. Racial and civil unrest have caused us to feel cross-pressured even more. You know, I was raised to recognize racism only in individual acts of meanness by members of my group, whites. I never recognized it as an invisible system conferring unsought racial dominance on my group from birth while at those same times with those same systems and policies, they actually oppress 
people from different groups like the blacks. And unexamined emotions on both sides can rise to the level of prejudice and even hatred based on stress and fear, not facts. So we have to ask ourselves, are we positive or are we negative? Yes, anxiety and depression have risen, but, but so has, well, sales of bicycles. Bicycles are the new toilet paper, screamed a headline in The Guardian, a British newspaper last week. My grandson Paul and I went to the bike shop, just kind of bike shopping the other day. We went to two bike shops. Neither one had bicycles and they weren't going to be able to have any more until maybe October or November. A stroll down the bicycle aisle at Walmart is eerie because there's not one single bicycle to be had there. And it's not just bicycles, it's kayaks and swimming pools. And it doesn't take an expert or a scientific survey to tell us that families are out enjoying the parks and the trails more than ever. And they're spending more time together and they're doing healthier things. And that's good, that feels good, right? So it's positive, not negative. And you would have to be blind in order to not see the shift in news and entertainment and advertising towards celebrating the creative ways in which people have served and sacrificed and given and helped and struggled and stayed connected. And they've enjoyed it all and celebrated it all. Families are working from home, they're schooling from home, they're sheltering at home. And even though it's hard, it feels pretty good, right? Changes and innovation in manufacturing and medicine and policy have happened more quickly than we could have ever imagined. Not since World War II has there been a level of urgency and cooperation and a united effort to find good things. And the recent racial injustice has caused many people to open their minds for the first time to search for real answers and enter into deeper conversations and more meaningful learning about why the people are so upset. I just finished reading The Color of Compromise, the truth about the American church's complicity in racism by Jamar Tisby, an excellent book that was recommended to me by Bailey McGee. And it was hard for me to read. To be honest, I would not have considered reading a book like that had it not been for recent events and how they have changed my heart and my mind personally. I'm getting more positive than negative. So here's the question this morning. Why are some individuals and families able to thrive during these difficult times while others seem to fall apart? Well, I argue that it's because of perspective. Those who thrive during difficult times do so because they acknowledge and embrace a reality in their lives that others deny. Let me see if I can explain this using three biblical truths. The first truth, you find what you're looking for. In Genesis 37 through 50, there are two parallel plots described from different vantage points. One is Joseph's story, and the other is the story of Joseph's brothers and father. Joseph is always looking for the greater meaning, God's hand at work, in his life. But Joseph's brothers are not. From the earliest part of their relationship with Joseph, they're jealous and they seek to harm him. They sell him into slavery and he goes to Egypt. But Joseph is blessed by God 
sees God's hand at work in his life and everything that he does in escaping Potiphar's wife in, in interpreting the dreams in jail and in, in becoming the second most powerful person in Egypt, second only to the Pharaoh, in saving many people. The finest, the best explanation of those two parallel plots come together in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19, where it says, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So when he tells them not to be afraid, to me, it means that they were. And I think his brothers and his father lived in fear all during their lives because they rejected something that Joseph embraced. And that was looking for the hand of God at work in the world around him and in his life. You find what you look for. So are we positive or are we negative? The second truth is joy is a matter of perspective. Early on in the pandemic, some religious leaders suggested that it was God's judgment on a wicked world. And it may have been. Early in the pandemic, it was easy to feel that way. But I don't know about that. What I do know is in that James chapter 1, verse 2, tells us, to consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let the perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Perseverance and maturity come after you find joy in trials. They are a product of a matter of perspective. You see, difficult times make it harder to hide and suffer in silence because help is so readily available and it becomes okay to ask for help. So if you don't ask, it becomes more obvious that it's pride and prejudice and fear that you choose to hang on to over finding help and becoming mature in God. For all of you who are handling this pandemic so well with patience and positivity and creativeness, where do you think that ability comes from? Well, how about if I rephrase it and say it in this way? For those of you responding to the pandemic with love and joy and peace or, or grace and mercy and forgiveness, where do you think that comes from? Is that a little more obvious? We all know that it comes from the Lord and it flows from the springs of living water that infinite source of hope that only God can give that is within us. So our second Bible truth is that joy is a matter of perspective. But the third truth is storing up is done unconsciously. So what do I mean? Well, in Luke chapter six, in verse 45, Luke writes, a good man brings good things out of the good 
stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So Luke teaches us about storing up things in our heart. I must admit that this passage didn't jump off the page to me until I read another good book recently that was recommended by Blake Jackson in our Life and Mars class on Sundays. The book is called You Are What You Love, The Spiritual Power of Habit by James K.A. Smith. That book helped me to understand more about this verse than anything else I've considered. The good or the evil stored up in the heart is not put there, it's not stored there because I make a conscious top of mind decision to store it there and to cultivate it and to keep it there. Rather, it grows much like a plant or a weed would, which is very slowly, almost imperceivably. And through the practice of unconscious, routine, formative habits, that's how the storing up takes place. How prepared are you to face the pandemic with grace and faith? And how prepared are you to lean into harder conversations on racial injustice? That depends on a lifetime of formative habits that result in your worldview, much more than a daily decision that you might make waking up this morning. In the life on Mars class a couple of Sundays ago, we asked the question, what are the liturgies of your home? I had no idea what that meant at first. But, but it really means what are the formative habits that you routinely do in your home to form faith and to learn to depend on God in all things? Or what are the routine habits, traditions that we get into that cause us to hide from mistakes from the past or, or Fear the hard choices of the future. Parents know how important it is to read good stories, good Bible stories to their kids, to pray together, to talk about God. And that's worked in your family. And your individual and your family liturgies, traditions we call them, are forming your kids into the adults that they will be. And the interesting thing about liturgies is some of them are just handed down and we never even think about them. Others we have to actively cultivate and decide to do on a daily basis. So the third Bible truth is storing up is done unconsciously. If we're positive or if we're negative, it's taken us a lifetime to get there. So here's the deal. We all agree that things are going to be different as we come out of the pandemic, as we move through this round of race relations conversation. And for you and your family, this may be the best opportunity of a lifetime to embrace and strengthen some new faith forming habits that when stored up in your hearts will give you a new perspective to find joy in every trial. It will make it easier to look for and see God's mercy and grace helping us to flourish, not just survive the trials, but flourish through the trials. When things look bad, 
that's when God does his best work. We are positive church. We are blessed to be together. We are blessed to be saved. And we are blessed to be able to have a perspective that lets us see God at work in our lives and in our world. God bless you, and I hope you have a wonderful week, and we will see you later.